0: All right, <clears throat> excuse me, um, as most of you I think know um, through text or what we've been talking about the last couple weeks in church, today is the first of three Sundays um, where a, a pastor swap, I don't know exactly what they're calling it, but first time that this church has ever been involved in it. I did talk to Pastor Steve this morning and he's done it a couple other years, so um, I'm excited to kind of see how this works and it lets our church get to know a, a pastor of a local church uh, very close to us two of them, actually. Um, so we're looking forward to that and, and seeing how this, this works out. And I've got a quick introduction here for, uh, for Pastor Steve, if I can get to it. Um, so Pastor Steve uh, grew up in Binghamton area, Binghamton, New York, uh, and attended uh, Bible Baptist uh, College, which is now Clark Summit University, um, and then went on to Bible Baptist Seminary. Uh, He and his wife Jennifer have one daughter Tori who's 17 years old and Pastor Steve is the lead pastor of Bible Baptist Church in Cortland and he's been there since 2013. And before that he was the pastor of outreach and worship at Calvary Baptist Church in Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin. So and even after I read that I didn't tell him that he had to lead worship here this morning, even after, after I heard that he was a, used to be a worship leader. So that's a little bit about him. I encourage you to, to chat with him after the service if you didn't get a chance to before. But Pastor Steve, come share what God's laid on your heart.
1: Good morning. it is great to be with you i 'm grateful for the privilege um, They did take it easy on me and didn 't make me lead the singing although it 's fun for me to sing, so i wouldn't have minded that much but it 's fun to just participate with you so thank you for that i I love coming up to, and most of the time, pastor church. Um, I live just off of Coldbrook Road on Stevens Road, not too far from here. Probably lots of you know where that is. And so every time I make the bend around and just see this valley, it, it's just situated in a beautiful place. So I, I love seeing your church every time when I come by, and I am like, oh. even in the brown dead times, the valley just opens up and I still like it. The fall's my favorite. Um, I, as as was mentioned, I was in Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin for 15 years, and so that's about 10 degrees colder overall, just in general, than New York State. And so this has been a, a nice return back to the area. Um, this year's spectacular. I, I don't mind driving uh, any any place on days like today, but it is always unique to be in a different church. I, I've seen lots of your faces at various times. Um, You've hosted conferences here for the Northeast Fellowship. So I've seen some of you there. I've I've met some of you, and and yet you don't know me, and I don't know you. And so I, w- I got to make sure I don't say something in a way that would be misperceived. And it's it's just a different way than when I'm with people that I that they've gotten over me a long time ago, and they're they're used to my foibles. So. Thank you for your patience ahead of time, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity of of this pastor swap. We do call it that at times. Um, This this year, um, we're doing it uh, a first responders theme, but before I get into that, I want to introduce our thinking to the idea of today's character in a little different way. So I want to ask you, um, how long would you wait to get on an amusement park ride? Okay, so some of you say amusement park rides never going on one ever. So I get that, but if you're someone who likes amusement park rides, how long would you wait? Throw out some ideas. What's the the max for you? What's your limit? I got. A, I heard a half hour. Then I heard a two hours. Any any more than two hours? Anybody wait more than two hours? Well, for Disney World, how about that? Okay. Three hours for Splash Mountain, okay. What do you think was the verified longest time waiting for a ride? By the way, the ride was Avatar Flight of Passage. What do you think the verified longest wait was? Five hours and 19 minutes. So somebody stood in line for five hours and 19 minutes waiting to get on this ride, okay? I I don't think that I would do that. In fact, I'm quite certain I wouldn't. Um, There are actually some reports not verified that people waited almost seven hours to get on the ride. So waiting must be something that they're good at, right? Or or there was some extra anticipation. And today, we're going to hear about someone who waited well. Someone who waited well, Anna, is the character we're going to look at out of Luke chapter 2. And Anna waited for a lot of years. In fact, we get her age, and it seems like her waiting was at least 60 years worth of waiting. So we're going to explore that a little bit this morning. And how she responded as a first responder is something that we want to replicate. We want to do the same, we want to be encouragers. So, encourage the response of Anna, and it's Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. Now, when we were selecting which passages we were going to do, tossed it out there, and I'm like, I'll just, I'll wait, but I'd like to have one where there's lots of verses, plenty of content to explore, and Pastor Tim and Pastor Matthew were right on that. So I'm left with the three verses for Anna. But I tell you what, it's been fascinating in my study. Let me just read Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in years, having lived with a husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. And she never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Israel. Let me just pray before I continue on. Father, I thank you for the privilege that we have of looking at your word this morning. And as we do, we understand that it is here for a reason, not for our information only, although it is very interesting. Um, We want to be people who reflect the attitudes and actions of those people who followed you well. I pray that today would be one more part of helping us take those steps. Thank you for the time in your word with this uh, body of believers. Help us to encourage one another in ways that would bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, let me give you the connection kind of to the rest of the story. Um, We're we're kind of a little out of order. As we all started studying, it's, you guys are getting the last message first. Um, In fact, none of them worked out exactly chronologically the way that we're doing the three rotations. So, um, Anna's impact is something we want to explore, but it really comes right on the heels of Simeon's words, okay? So it's tied right to it. You know, you hear at the same moment and continued speaking. So I'm like jumping in with the very end of the story this morning and we we want to see what's what's going on because verse 33 actually gives us the real impact of what Simeon has been saying, okay? I think I have verse 33 right here on the screen. I hope, yep. And his father and mother, so as Simeon was speaking and his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him so that's a little bit of the context and then Anna enters the picture as mom and dad Mary and Joseph were like whoa okay that's that's where Anna comes in so she's introduced, and at this point Mary and Joseph have already interacted with the shepherds but that's Pastor Matthew's sermon, so I can't really talk about that. And they had just finished hearing Simeon speak, which is Pastor Tim's message, so I can't really deal with any of that. Um, and I don't want to give you the buildup without stealing from them. But we do have a few things to notice about just Anna. One of the things is we actually can't recount what happened with her and Jesus. Okay, Luke, Luke gives us information about the scene, right? He, we know who was talking. Um, we have the detailed explanation of what Simeon said. Um, and then Anna arrives while he's speaking, but Luke doesn't give us any further details. You know, Simeon, we found out, he held Jesus in his arms. Well, what about Anna? Um, did, he, did she say anything to Mary and Joseph? Was there any other actions that were taken? And we heard how Mary and Joseph were reacting to Simeon, but what happened after or with Anna along the way? We don't know. The information just is not there, but the information that we do have actually is intentionally there for us to say, well, well, what's the rest of the story? What should I pay attention to with Anna here? That's, That's why Luke wrote this. His goal in writing without the details, but describing Anna means we're supposed to be asking some questions. Well, then... Why do we have the, what we do have? Because Luke could have very easily included the rest. God could have had plenty of other explanation, but all he gave about Anna was this, and so we're supposed to pay attention to those details. So Luke fell silent about the actual meeting, but he talks about Anna. So he set up the scene for Anna, and then he skips the meeting and discusses her response, which is a part of why we have to pay attention to it, because her response to meeting Jesus is something that we should mirror, that we should have as a part of us as well. So stop as you're listening and say, no, wait a minute, and let your imagination run even. Well, if Simeon got to hold him, well, did Anna wonder where they went? What did they do? That's, that's all a part of what's supposed to be going through your mind, and I, I think it's good that we engage. And while we're imagining the details of the meeting, let's look at what, what Luke actually did give us. In the, in the work of first responders, apparently there's a situation labeled first do. It refers to the, the first apparatus or person that comes on the scene. Okay? The, the one who sees it as it is before any other action is taken. And the responder sees the carnage or the need and he sees the, the victim in their most raw state. Luke 2 introduces us to three first responders, if you will. And today's short story identifies a credible messenger with an incredible message. Um, Anna knew that patient trust in Christ paid off. And she encouraged others in their wait. So she waited and she encouraged others. And we want to be like Anna, right? Good waiters and good encouragers. So today I wanted to give us just kind of two traits of being an encourager like Anna. Two traits of being an encourager like Anna. And the first one is to be tenacious in building godly character. What was she really like? What was her character? Who was she? So let's let's explore that as we kind of walk down through the text. First, it says, And there was a prophetess. A lot of the Old Testament... Um, had prophecy parts in it along with story narrative parts. And the prophecies, a lot of them had to do with the coming Messiah, Israel's hope, right? And ultimately the world's hope. And Anna says she's 84 at this point. If she's a prophetess, she has lived with these prophecies for a long, long time, lived and waited in hope. And Old Testament prophets really did at least two things, Okay, probably more than that, but at least two things. One of the things that they did was they announced or they foretold things that God was going to do to Israel, to other nations, for Israel, for other nations, for individuals. It was information that they couldn't have on their own but was only given to God and it was future stuff. So that's, that's one part. And that's the the part that we think about most often for a prophet. You know, the the foretelling, the foretelling, what's coming next. But the other piece that was directly tied to the Old Testament prophet's work was how they took God's already given word, and in this case, you know, the first five books of the Old Testament, and said, look Israel, you did this, and so God is going to do this. A prophet would take God's word and explain, this is how your life fit with it or in a lot of cases, in Israel's case, didn't fit with it, right? And then this is what God's going to do just like he said back in Deuteronomy or Exodus or something like that. So the prophet did both of those things, announced something that was coming and said, this is how God's word should have, does, and will inform your life. So pay attention to it. So that's a part of what Anna would have done too, was use God's word, look at the prophecies, and say, well, how will that fit? What should it be? What should I be? What should you be like? So for Anna, there were only a very few women that were listed as prophetesses in the Bible. In the Old Testament, Miriam, so sister of Moses and Aaron, in Exodus 15, was called a prophetess. Deborah, who was also a judge, and Judges 4 actually references her as a prophetess. Huldah, how many of you have heard her name before? I was like, wait, I probably read by that once or twice. She was a prophetess during Josiah's day and made a a prophetic utterance for the king there. And then Isaiah's wife, we don't ever have her name, but she was called the prophetess in Isaiah chapter 8. So those, those are the only Old Testament ones that were called prophetesses. Then in the New Testament, in addition to Anna, there are the four daughters of Philip the evangelist. So a pretty small number of ladies who were prophetesses and held that kind of role. In this case, she had the privilege of knowing the prophecies about the Messiah. And then she had the the privilege of seeing him. And then she took action as a prophetess afterward. And I I thought it was kind of an interesting thing as I was doing some research. There was a, a painting by an Italian painter named Giotto. And I have that for for the screen here. And, and in that picture, you see Anna off to the right. Um, and she has something in her hands. It's a scroll, right? So an Old Testament scroll. And then she's pointing over at Jesus. Do you see that connection? Taking the word of God as given and then saying, this is him. Look, this is how what God has already given connects to you and to me. So, Anna was doing her job as prophetess. I thought that was a a very unique painting that showed that. And so I want to encourage us, before we even move any further here, is to make sure that you work to do the same thing. Immerse yourself in God's word. Anna spent years with these prophecies so that she would know and be able to recognize what she ought to do and what others ought to do. Well, we need to do the same. Immerse ourselves in God's word and be ready to point them to Jesus. The intersections in their lives, the people that you know, the, the places where there's need and where there's longing, well, Jesus can fill that because he is this. So if we want to be like Anna, we have to immerse ourselves in God's word and be ready to point from God's word to Jesus and the way that he can make an impact in their lives. He is the embodiment of God, what God wants to communicate to them as well. All right, so she's a prophetess. That's one part of who she is. Um... But let's let's look at this. Her name I, I've pronounced it so far as Anna, and I'll continue to do so. But but what if I pronounced it Hannah? What what comes to your mind with Hannah? Bible stories? Anything? What comes? Prayed and waited for a son. What was that son's name? Samuel. Okay, so. Kind of interesting, and I, I checked both of the major translations in, in the Greek, and there's, there's actually the breath mark, so you probably would pronounce it if you're reading the Greek as Hannah instead of Anna. But that's kind of a, a unique trigger if you're reading this story, isn't it? A woman who begged God for a son after a very long wait, and eventually God gave the son. That woman... Hannah in the Old Testament, Samuel's mom, celebrated God's blessing and even her words were very similar to Mary's words. If you look at some of the words that Mary said and that Hannah said, really, really similar after Gabriel's announcement. So this Hannah, Anna, waited for the son for years and now God had sent him. So that's a unique tie together. It says that she was the daughter of Fanuel, which this is the only place Fanuel's mentioned. So, you know, why would Luke include that in here? We can't trace a genealogy or something of Fanuel's line. Well, it's interesting. Fanuel means face of God. Um, today, for Anna, though, something better than seeing her earthly father, Fanuel, happens. Anna sees the face of God, Jesus Christ. The face of her heavenly father when she looked at that baby. When Anna looks at Mary's child, Jesus, Anna is looking at the face of God. And and the text, so the reason Luke wrote it was to draw our attention to the fact that Anna was seeing God's plan unveiled in Jesus, the face of God. Jesus is Fanuel in the flesh. The Apostle Paul calls Jesus the image of the invisible God in Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Hebrews 1.3 also says, And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So, Jesus is the face of God, the representation of God on earth. And Anna had a dad named Phanuel, and now she saw truly Fanuel in the flesh, the face of God. She, she was able to see God, and we're supposed to look at Jesus and see Jesus in that same way. All right, so her dad's name connecting to the face of God. Then look at from the tribe of Asher, from the tribe of Asher, Um, this was also something that I had forgotten about. Asher was a a northern tribe of Israel, okay? And so it was one of the ones that was conquered early on by Assyria. uh, Several of those tribes were known as the ten lost tribes, okay? So Asher was one of those ten lost tribes. Like, could Israel's ten tribes be gone? What Anna shows in the fact that she is an Asherite is that God kept his promise, Asher was not lost. There was a descendant of Asher and Anna is one of them. And what was once lost is now brought back. The Lord brought back the lost tribe of Asher out of the countries where he had driven them. Jeremiah 23, 8 said that's what God had done and that his work would be to bring back those people. The very reference of the fact that Anna was an Asherite shows that God was keeping his promises even to that particular tribe. Um even more connected to that. I thought this was interesting and I had forgotten. Asher was Leah's son. Okay, so Jacob, Leah. Um, and in Genesis thirty thirteen, here here are the, the words that Leah said when Asher was born. Then Leah said, blessed am I for women will call me blessed. So she named him Asher. So if Asher means blessed, what do you think? Would, would Leah's words, these ones that you see right here, would they resonate with Mary at all, the mother of Jesus? In Luke 1, 48 and 49, Mary says, From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Isn't that amazing? For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary sounds just like Leah. Because of her child, Asher, from the Lord, she is blessed and so she celebrates and Mary does too. Mary has really become a new Leah and Jesus is her Asher. So those kind of connections, you know that Anna would have known Leah's words (laughs) and as a good Asherite, it would lead her to praise God for the fact that she was getting to see the face of God. There's something else we can't skirt around with Anna in this passage. Luke makes specific, he pays specific attention to the fact that she's old. And old is good, (laughs) okay? Old is good, and it should be with honor that we treat people who are older. Anna was advanced in years, it says. It seems a little rude in our culture, right? But, um... Luke respects old age, so there's no reason for him to hide Anna's. And in that time, 84 was really old. Um, So it says that she lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, so could have been 14 or 15. And then he died, and she was a widow from then on until 84. That's why 60 years worth of being alone. And at this point, she was old. Um, my mom is turning 82 in just a few days, at the end of this week. And life with advanced age, it, it just gets harder, right? Some of you have experienced it or are experiencing it. Some of you have experienced it with parents or others that you love. And so we know that life with advancing age is that. And without care, you wonder how, how Anna felt, so we have to make sure that we're compassionate to those navigating those years and, and honor them, for sure. One of the things that the abundance of years in my mom's life does, it means I can look back on so many ways that she has impacted my life. Positive ways for the glory of God. And, and in others' lives, too, I can point to specific things and just look at them and say, wow, God has used my mom powerfully in my life and, and in others'. Faithful service and obedience is praiseworthy. And Anna was like that. When it talks about her being advanced in age and then describes how she lived her life, she invested all of them. As a prophetess, all the way along the way. So I want to encourage you, encourage us, make sure that you invest your years. Don't just spend them. Invest them in people, in God's word, in eternity. As you invest in them, your years, no matter if they're long or short, can count for the glory of God. And so Anna was older and that investment was a positive thing. But it also says that Anna was alone, doesn't it? She was a widow. She was a humble one. So it's interesting, she recognized who Jesus was as a humble widow. If we go back. Advance, what, 30 years from this point, there were an awful lot of powerful and important religious figures in Israel who couldn't recognize Jesus as Messiah. But this devout 84 year old woman who had spent time with God's word and with those prophecies saw who he was and responded in the right way. She also knew that the Messiah coming meant that her aloneness wouldn't last forever. She knew that that's what the coming of Messiah meant for Israel and for anyone who would believe, truly. She knew the, lo- the lonely days were soon over. But, but don't miss that even while she was alone, before this, during the other 60-ish years, she fulfilled all kinds of things in serving others, right? It would have been tempting to feel sorry for herself losing a husband that early, in that culture where the husband was the way of making provision for your next steps. She could have felt sorry for herself, but she instead chose to invest all of her years focused on Christ. So, so how about you? How about you? Sometimes when we're alone, whether it's singleness, and I spent some years of that thinking that that was never going to change, or sometimes after the loss of a loved one, We can be tempted to think that that aloneness is a burden too great to bear. But God gives grace and the ability to minister beyond ourselves in ways that we wouldn't have even expected if we'll choose to see the Messiah as the one who helps us. So, she was alone, yes, but not alone in sorrow. She was excited to see the Redeemer. It also says that she was dedicated to serving in the temple. This is one of the parts that we, we don't know exactly what she did all those years. To be dedicated to serving in the temple, it, it, there's not a lot of places that describe the roles of women in the temple or tabernacle. Certainly lots for priests and Levites and all of that, but there are a few places. Um, in Exodus, we find that women did have roles in the courtyard of the temple that were significant related to sacrifices and prayer. At least those two areas, ladies, had significant roles there were those ladies who had the bronze mirrors. Uh, there was all kinds of speculation as I was reading. What, what did that have to do with worship at the temple? So I don't know exactly, but it was a significant role. And Anna spent all of these years dedicated to serving in the temple. She, she wanted to be connected to helping people know and worship God as the one true God. That's what she wanted to make her life count for. She she spent all of those years there, and I guess I should ask us: are, are you making sure that that's how you're impacting people? Are there ways that you are pointing others to Christ? Maybe are there ministry roles here at Calvary that you are fulfilling? Or that you need to fulfill in order to help other people draw closer to God, right? A lot of times, well, if I'm serving, I'm going to miss out on hearing this or doing that. But, but we have to invest our lives. And as God grows us, when we serve others, we make it possible for others to draw near to him. And, and there's a whole raft of people who need to do that, right? So are there ministry roles that you can fulfill and invest your life in so that others can draw near to God? Make that investment. It's a beautiful investment. Are you here to be served or to serve? Anna, served. Um, And it was not just relaxed serving. She was intense about it. And you say, well, how do you know that? Because the next thing it says with fastings and prayers and night and day, those are words and descriptions that mean that it was about all of her life night and day fastings and prayers it was spiritually intense work she was available to god all the time she chose to give up things that that she liked that she very easily could have enjoyed right that's what fasting ultimately is you choose to not make use of something that you're allowed to have for the sake of drawing close to god and i my guess is that so she could intensely pray about the messiah coming which means that when she got to this day, you can imagine how much celebration there was. So, are you pursuing spiritual disciplines that show that you're intense about following Christ? Fasting and prayer are a couple, but there's a whole raft of spiritual disciplines. Memorization, study, serving, greeting. There's all kinds of one another commands, disciplines that God wants from your life too. Choose to invest like that and be intense about it. The things that you do, according to 1 Corinthians 15, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain when it's in the Lord. So go after those things. So that kind of shows us the picture of Anna's character, okay? Who she was. And I I won't take too much time to finish it off, but I want to briefly look at how her character, together with meeting the Messiah on this day, caused her to act. So, The second part to being an encourager like Anna is be timely in speaking to those who need encouragement. Okay, so the first one was make sure that you are intense about building godly character. Now, the second part is be timely in speaking to those who need encouragement. So what did she do? First, the first things that we see is that while Simeon was speaking, she came over to them. She could have stayed at a distance. She could have kept busy about the work. It was probably necessary work. But she chose to get close to the Redeemer. While Simeon was speaking, she drew near to the one who was her Savior. I don't know if she heard Simeon's words and announcements and saw it or if she already saw it in what interaction she had had, but she got close to the one who's her Redeemer. That's a role or a job that we have to do too, get close to the Redeemer. The next thing she did it says she was well, it says in um, verse thirty eight and at that very moment she came up and began giving thanks to God. She began giving thanks to God. She knew that this event was a god sighting. She knew there was something different about this baby being presented in the temple. this was Mary and Joseph were fulfilling the law's requirements. At the appropriate day, they came in to present him at the temple and circumcision all the pieces that were to go with that. So I'm, I can't even imagine how many Anna must have seen over her 60 plus years, right? But in this case, it was a reason for Thanksgiving because she knew who this baby was. This baby was special. She wasn't just happy about her baby. I mean, she got excited lots of times. Um, and I, I think... She was speaking all her life of God's plan. I'm pretty sure this isn't the first time that Anna said anything, um, but this is what she did. She talked about God. So now she's giving Thanksgiving. The only difference was she didn't have to speak in the future tense anymore. She could now speak of Him as as here, right now. So so, what about you? For for Anna, she continued to speak because that's what she always did. She spoke of the Redeemer and she was thankful to God. Um, Would people say that at at Christmas time you continue to speak of Christ, or is an annual thing, or just once in a while? Christ needs to be on our lips, especially in these days when people feel so harassed and helpless. And we need to do it with Thanksgiving. Take every opportunity. To speak when you see God in action. Sometimes we're like, wow, I'm I'm really glad God did that. Take it one step further with your family and call attention. Hey, look what, what we just saw happen. You know God did that? That was his work in our life? Give thanksgiving and continue speaking of him. In these days where people are helpless and hopeless, they need real hope. And what Anna got to enjoy was... Something that was very different. Maybe you uh, didn't know. All right. I I think that's good. Yep. So this is this is the place where we want to make sure of the connection personally to the gospel, right? Anna was speaking and said, "Follow Christ. Celebrate what God has done." Continue speaking of him. She told everybody there. She kept encouraging all those who were looking for the redemption of Israel. But I want to make sure that you know that you have that redemption personally. Maybe you didn't know that Jesus coming at Christmas. All right. All right. Are we good to go? All right, sounds like it. All right, thank you. That's all right. Do this? Yeah, we'll just turn that off. Isn't it interesting, right at this moment, this is the time when I'm going to share the gospel, (laughs) Um, technology seems to always do that. So that's why technology must be from Satan, right? Just kidding. I, and and I'm someone who enjoys technology. So um, let's get back with Anna. Anna is the person who has seen the face of God. And she's going to continue speaking. She speaks with thanksgiving because she knows what a difference he makes. And for us, that has to be, the, be true too. Um, if you didn't know, maybe someone who's watching online, maybe someone here, Um, that Jesus coming at Christmas wasn't just a fun event, it was God unveiling his plan of revealing how people could have eternal life forever. And if you didn't know that, you can. Um, Christmas means hope for you. And maybe you've heard that part of it before, but you sure know how life feels when it's hard, right? And as a reminder that Jesus makes it possible to hope because all of us have experienced the effects of sin on our world. Sin makes it The way that it is and with all the difficulty that we see around it. And then we contribute to that by acting on our own and doing our own sin. Romans 3.23 says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So not only has sin made this world a flawed, fallen place that hurts and is hard to live in, we add to it by the way that we act and live sometimes. But the gospel, Jesus coming, means that God doesn't have to punish our sin on us. Because Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. God, in order to be a just God, has to punish sin. And so if I keep my sin, then he would have to punish me. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. If you believe trust in him. As many people as receive him, to those he gives the right to be called the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. So that makes it so that even though I have sin and God has to punish my sin, he did that on Jesus on the cross when he died. When he rose again from the dead, Jesus offered that gift of life to all of us who would believe. So if you today trust in him, him alone, not what any church does, Or any good action of yours, but in Jesus alone, you have the hope that Anna already knew about. That she was proclaiming when she said, or when it says that she continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Israel. That's what, what she was saying. Messiah is here at Christmas and now there's hope. And there's hope for you. She knew her audience. She did what a prophetess does. She gave them the Old Testament prophecies. Remember when Isaiah said this, or Jeremiah said this, or, or Malachi, or Micah. Um, if you've been waiting, the time is here now. The waiting is over. The Roman occupation for them probably felt like a huge heavy weight. Like there wasn't anything good that come that would come. All of a sudden, the face of God was right there that they could see. I'm sure she worked to give everyone she knew a reason for her long waiting, her long endurance. And let's make sure that we do the same. In response to the coming of Christ, we have something to cheer. We have something to celebrate and tell to all the people who are around us. So let's do that together. Let me close us in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have given us examples of people who served you and serve you even around us now. But Anna's life shows diligent waiting for things that matter, a building of character and life that is precious in your sight and impacted many. Pray that we would build lives that, that way as well and that you would use us to make the kind of impact that you want from us. In Jesus' name, amen.